Hi, it's John Paul, AAA's car doctor, and welcome to another AAA Car Conversations with, and this time the car conversation is with Mia Bevacqua. She is the chief mechanic for carparts.com. Mia, can you explain to us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, um, chief uh, mechanic and technical writer. They actually have changed my title to uh, chief automotive engineer, um, but basically um, I... Um, create unique content. I uh, provide advice and kind of the go-to for all, all things uh, car related. So um, that's basically my role. And, um, you know, one of the things we really wanted to talk about um, is electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles and servicing in those vehicles. But I want to know a little bit about you first. I read somewhere that you um, early on I think, bought a broken Prius sort of to see how it works? Yeah, so that's kind of like how I got started. Um, you know, I knew that um, hybrids and EVs were going to be a big deal. So um, kind of, oh, it's been several years now, but I got a Gen 1 Prius that didn't run, and it was only 500 bucks and um, ended up being, you know, the motors inside the uh, transmissions that transmission that required replacement. So um, that and the inverter. So I kind of went on, you know, Toyota's, you can log into their, you know, dealer like uh, training and repair information. So um, got every, you know, kind of got up to speed through that. And then I also took um, training through a um, program, a website called ACDC. So um, yeah, I took their online training and kind of paired that with Toyota's check training and then hands on with the Prius and, uh, then it was good enough to at least pass the L3. So <laughs> yeah, no, that, no, that's great. And you know, that's a good point. You are an ASE certified master technician in areas. I think it's one through nine in L1, two and three, and I think medium duty trucks and I probably yeah, missed something along the way. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah, I have 16 and that's, that's what I have. And I, I know you, uh, you have a bunch of you have the alternative fuels one, which I saw. I don't have that, so. Uh. Yeah, that 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 was uh, that's because I'm old, and that's what they came out first before they had L1. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and that that was you know when natural gas was going to be like the next big thing, and it didn't really get there. And although it's kind of interesting, I never worked on a compressed natural gas car, but fuels fuel one way or another, and. Uh, I figured if I if I knew what made a gasoline engine run, I could figure out what made a uh, compressed natural gas car run. So kind of an interesting thing. And and how did you develop your love for automobiles? Um, I was just kind of born um, loving cars. So my dad is actually a lawyer, and um, and I kind of tease him about this, and um, but he doesn't mind. So he doesn't even like changes on oil. Like, um, so it didn't. Uh, stem from my dad. I just was basically born loving cars and my mom tried to get me Barbies and I threw them aside and was like, I want Hot Wheels and Transformers. So, you know, I mean, so that's, uh, yeah, it's just has always been like that. So. And um, do you have anything special in your garage now? Yeah, I actually have, uh, um, well, I just sold one, one earlier today, which was um, someone give, had given me a free cobalt and I, 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 I uh, kind of just got that roadworthy and sold it, but uh, I have, uh, um, yeah, I have uh, right now. I have eight vehicles. So probably the most interesting is my uh, 
79 Plymouth Horizon TC3. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're unique. Yeah, the yeah. Dodge Omni. Um, and I got that. It had been in storage for, um, and I think it, she, it was like, she had said it was, uh, it had been in storage for like 30 years and like a heated storage. Her, her father had given it to her in high school and he passed away and she got it out of storage. So it's basically in uh, like new condition. It's so it's, it's pretty cool. I, I like yeah, that car. no, that, that sounds that sounds really interesting. So, you know, we know a little bit more about you. And you took the like you said, you took some of the online training, you took the ACDC training, which is actually Craig Van Battenberg. He's kind of around the corner from me almost. Yeah, and it's, so it, it kind of brings that small world in to to play again, I guess. So um, but, you know, as you're looking at the way the world is changing you look at general motors you know even as much as change their logo to make it kind of look like a plug um and they're talking about you know all of their cars will be electric by you know maybe 2030 or 2035 and volvo's saying the same thing and a lot of car makers are doing that we're seeing a big push with climate change initiatives where um there's there's really encouragement to go to zero emissions vehicles are people ready to repair these cars now or especially i mean at the dealer level they have obviously dealer training which helps them get along but how about the how about the aftermarket the you know the corner garage the the chain store that we have we have a couple of chain store tire stores around here and some of them have excellent absolutely they, they have their own in-house training programs there um so they're really trying to stay up to speed on these things but how do you think the aftermarket is prepared or getting prepared for what will be at some point in the next 15 or 20 years pretty much all they're going to see well i'm sure you know you know um from uh, what you do now um that a lot of shops don't want to work even on hybrids. And, you know, we've had hybrids for over 20 years now with the Honda Insight. And, um, you know, a lot of shops just still um, don't want to deal with those vehicles. And I think um, the reason for that is, uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you know, one, there's a nation shortage of technicians in general, yeah. as I, you know, so, um, A lot of that has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, technicians don't get paid very well. You know, the, the national um, average salary is $50,000 and um, technicians, the average salary is $40,000. You know, that's according to the online <laughs> websites. Mm. Um, so I don't think that at the technician level, these guys, uh, these guys and women, they don't have the um i think in a lot of instances like the motivation to do it you know you're just not getting paid enough they don't want to like you know delve into something new when they're um not really getting already getting paid what they're worth in, in my opinion i mean they've got to supply their own tools they've got to have tons of technical expertise um yeah so i think there's not a desire to um, learn those vehicles at this time of motivation um, and then secondly, I do think that uh, there is training, um, but it still is kind of lacking. You know, I, I still think um, a lot of times at the uh, trade school and the, the uh, 
you know, tech college um, level, you know, we're focusing on, you know, rebuilding wheel cylinders still, and it's, there isn't enough focus on the, uh, you know, yeah. the, um, the hybrids and metrics and these kind of these uh, outdated concepts, you know, that uh, I think it really should uh, be a lot more focused on, on that. But um, I think until they start, uh, you know, kind of paying technicians what they're worth and, uh, you know, kind of also getting rid of some of that stigma that comes along with uh, being a technician, you know, they're not, the general public might not uh, perceive a technician as being someone that's, uh, you know, really sharp and they are, I mean, they have to be, especially to work on electric vehicles. So, you know, just a lot of things need to change in the auto industry before I think um, we're ready to uh, kind of um, welcome the EV onslaught, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. We've got a long ways to go. Yeah, no, you're, I, you know, it, it is funny. I've been around a long time and I remember even way back when, when disc brakes got popular and some of the kind of older mechanics that worked in the shop were like, uh, I don't work on disc brakes. And I'm like, well, why not? They're, they're easier, you know? And, and it was one of those things and electronic ignition systems seemed complicated because they didn't have points in them, but realistically they were simpler. So, you know, sometimes I, I know one of the vocational schools I'm involved with, um, they got an electric car as a donation. Yeah. And the, um, one of the instructors is a former Audi technician and he's like, I'm just trying to tell these, um, you know, kids that are in my school and they're, you know, 16, 17 year old. Um, he's like, um, you know, I'm just trying to teach them that it's not that complicated when you get right down to it. And there are some things that are going to be absolutely the same. And there's some things you need to be a little bit more concerned about, obviously, when you're dealing with high voltages, but he said, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to open the hood and go, oh, there's no engine in this and run away scared. You just have to understand what makes it work. And I think you're right, you know, where you said that there's kind of a lack of understanding and training that takes place with this, which limits how much people want to be involved. And, and when it comes to pay, I was talking to somebody who was a pretty successful automotive technician who gave it up and started putting um, kind of office cubicles together. Yeah. And, it, and I said, how come? And he goes, I make more money putting office cubicles together and I need an Allen wrench and a cordless drill. And that's about all I need as opposed to having, you know, $15,000 worth of tools. And he said, and he said, honestly, the work's easy. Yeah. That's the same story I hear all the time. And, um, yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, there's always, um, you know, I remember, uh, man, when I was in high school, even, uh, you know, there was a shop that refused to work on anything but carburetors. And it's like, now I'm sure that shop is long gone because <laughs> you know, they, uh, they didn't want to work on fuel injection. So there's always kind of like, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of resistance to that new stuff, um, from some people. Um, yep. yeah. And if you don't have any, um, motivation to kind of overcome that resistance then uh you know it can be a problem yeah. no it it's 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 funny you say that if that shop was still around they'd probably do really well because there's nobody out there that fixes carburetors <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah maybe you're right yeah. I, I can say that you know and i've uh, i joke too because it's like yeah i 
I, uh, I have, uh, you know, certification hybrids and electric vehicles, but don't ask me to tune a carburetor because uh, <laughs> that's not something I've, uh, I'm familiar with. And uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and there's um, uh, somebody I used to work with and now he works, he was a, he went to a Votech school, went to work as a technician, became a trainer for Ford. Now he's working in their AV program. And I used to drag him out every once in a while to talk to high school kids. And I'd, say, I'd kind of key up the question about, uh, Peter, can you tell me about points? And he goes, yeah, it's something to get on a mortgage. He says, yeah. I, he said, I, you know, if they're in a car, I have no idea what they are because why would I? And, yeah. you know, the reality was he actually knew, but he said, why, why, you know, why, you know, stay on that, talk about it for a second, get it over with and talk about, you know, testing voltage drop. It's much more important. And I think that's one of the things we, we need to think about. So not everybody brings their car to the dealer. Not everybody buys parts from the dealer. Um, there are better than sometimes original equipment parts available on the aftermarket. Where do electric vehicles and hybrids sort of fit in that equation? Are there parts available? Do I have to, you know, like your example, you had a Gen 1 Prius. Do I have to go back to Toyota for those parts or can I go to carparts.com and, and get what I need? Yeah, and um, for the components that are not EV specific, you know, the same, the items that you would have on a traditional vehicle that would be the same on a hybrid or EV, you know, talking about, uh, you know, brake pads, wiper blades, things like that, uh, carparts.com does have those items in store. And we have um, actually just launched a uh, dedicated EV page. Um, so um, those components are already readily available for you know, most EVs. Um, and I do think that uh, as EVs become more commonplace, we're gonna see more and more uh, aftermarket components becoming available, you know, more uh, remanufactured high voltage batteries and things like that um, trickle down to the automotive aftermarket. Like I said, especially as more and more of these vehicles uh, start to hit the road as um, everyone's forecasting. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I kind of made a prediction once this year, I guess, that I think that maybe 20 years, internal combustion engines might be as rare as seeing a car with a clutch pedal today. You know, whether that really plays out or not, maybe. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I was, I was kind of tinkering around on your website. And there's, you know, always a story about you can't buy parts for a Tesla, but you can buy, say, brake pads for a Tesla. Yes, that's um, one of the, the examples I actually had ready was the test. We have brake pads for a Tesla and <laughs> wipers for a Tesla. I looked at that. So, yeah. yeah. And even, you know, it looks like all the studies have shown so far that electric cars, and we'll talk about hybrids in a minute, but electric cars need about half the maintenance of a gasoline car. Right. Um, but they're still going to eventually wear out. And they're still going to need maintenance and they still need, and it was, I guess, not a surprise to me, but a surprise to me, you still need to do cooling system service. And it's sure. like, well, it doesn't have an internal combustion engine. What does it have a cooling system? Well, it has a cooling system for the battery and in some cases the heat, depending on what kind of car it is. So 
I think that that, you know, that in itself, there is going to be regular, regular recommended maintenance. And depending on where you got your electric car, there's this trusted repair shop maybe around the corner that you, you've been going to for a while. And you're like, well, I don't really want to go three towns away to bring my electric car for service. Can I go to that independent shop? And it sounds like for a lot of things, we can, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's already um, independent shops that specialize, of course, in hybrids and EVs. And um, there's no reason you would have to go to the dealer if you, you know, can find one of those shops. Um, and, you know, as we discussed, not all shops are already, no, not all independent shops are already ready to um, work on hybrids and EVs, but those that are, um, definitely, there's no reason uh, customers couldn't bring their vehicles there. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to things that just wear out, you know, steering suspension, yeah. um, brakes, and, you know, that type of thing, you're, you're going to do maintenance. So yeah. Yeah. And those items, things like that, um, um, any shop can handle those. I mean, if you want to get a oil change on your Prius or you want to get brake pads on your, uh, in your leaf, um, you know, most shops are going to have a problem with that. Uh, you know, just the only area that not everyone wants to dabble in is the high voltage stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, if you need to have the uh, tires rotated on on your on your leaf, um, any shop should be able to do that. Yeah, I would I would think so. And you you bring up a leaf as a good point. A leaf, especially the the first generation leafs, which have that kind of 80, 90 mile range can be a really good second or third car for somebody and you can buy them for six or $7,000. So they're a pretty affordable, environmentally friendly electric car. Yeah, yeah, the first generation, I think like it was actually, you know, I think it's real world range and maybe like 73. I was actually, that's kind of why my next project I want to be because now there's a lot of them. I mean, I have them locally, I see them online, um, you know, for, $3,000 now that their batteries have degraded and yep. now their range is down to 40 miles. So I kind of want that to be my next project. Um, of course, as far as I know, Nissan and there's no other aftermarket um, or manufacturer, remanufactured battery for the Leaf. They're just the brand new one, which is really expensive. <laughs> so yeah. I'm uh, considering uh, you know, taking on maybe replacing individual modules or something or doing something of that nature but uh we'll see well you need to, you need to find a wrecked tesla and pull the battery pack out of that and <laughs> modify it to fit in the leaf that would be a a supercharged leaf yeah exa exactly exactly um if people are thinking about buying either new or used electric cars is there anything they need to know when it comes to you know everything's you know, when it's new, it's all nice and shiny and smells nice. And, you know, you decide that that's a great car for you. But do you try to counsel consumers when it comes to buying an electric car, whether it's a whether it's a, a, a good, reliable choice or just let them know that, you know, even though everybody says that it's a pretty trouble free car, it's still a car that needs maintenance. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if people are looking to buy a hybrid EV, especially if they're looking to buy a used one. I mean, 
just like any used vehicle, you'd want to take it to a shop that knows those vehicles. Um, a lot of times you can even look at the battery health with the scan tool. You know, if you take it to a shop that knows what they're doing, they can give it a pre-purchase inspection, just like they could a, a, a traditional internal combustion power vehicle. You just have to find uh, someone that knows those vehicles and, you know, buying them new, um, now they're getting to be in the before they were kind of a novelty item because the range wasn't long enough. You could have it for a second car or if you just want it in town, but now the new ones, you know, the range is the new, the extended range leaf is 150 miles versus its original, you know, range of the first gen was 70 miles. You know, you've got Hyundai and uh, Kia have vehicles that are, you know, 200 mile range and of course Tesla's 300 miles. I mean, those vehicles are, um, could be real options for people for, a, a, you know, a main vehicle. So, um, you know, and hybrids and EVs aren't maintenance free, but, uh, Neither are traditional internal combustion powered vehicles. I mean, they're always, you know, traditional vehicles are always, after a while, they're always leaking fluids and that kind of stuff, which you don't have as much of that with a, a pure EV. So, yeah, I think yeah. Um, they're going to become a more realistic option for people in the future yeah. and now. now. Now, you mentioned hybrids, and a hybrid is a partial internal combustion engine, partial electric vehicle plug-in hybrids, bigger battery pack, so you can plug it in and charge it up, and it can run on electricity for depending on the car from, you know, as little as 12 miles to maybe as much as 40 or 50 miles, depending on the, the battery pack that's in the car. But for the person that's only driving, maybe they're, and especially with COVID, maybe even driving a little bit less, but they're commuting 15 or 20 miles each way back and forth to work, and they have a hybrid, not even a plug-in hybrid, but a regular hybrid, and the gasoline engine isn't running as much, they have to not forget about maintenance, though, because that gasoline engine still has oil and, and coolant in it and things that still are going to deteriorate over time, right? Yeah, yeah, especially for, uh, you know, a hybrid, uh, you still have the, you know, the oil change that they need, uh, regular oil change, you know, spark plug replacements and none of those things can be forgotten about. They're just as important on a hybrid as they would be on a traditional vehicle. Yeah, even, even on the hybrid that has the 12 volt battery that eventually wears out. And even yeah. though the, the big battery, the traction battery might be okay, uh, we still go out and jumpstart a whole lot of Priuses when the batteries get to be four or five years old because it just doesn't run the rest of the system. So um, it, it is something that needs regular routine sort of maintenance to make sure you stay up with it. And, you know, should, should consumers, you know, if they're thinking about maybe they're transitioning away, they've had their hybrid or electric car for a few years, it's out of warranty. They're thinking about going to their repair shop. They used to, should they feel comfortable with aftermarket parts or the aftermarket parts, in your opinion, the quality that, um, that meets or exceeds the original equipment part? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, and I'm sure you know from being in the industry for a long time, there are aftermarket parts that uh, are, are just as good or exceed OEM. So um, there are definitely those components out there. And, um, you know, I personally, 
I don't know. I don't think I, I can't remember when the last time I bought a part from the dealer, you know, when, I, when was the last time I bought a part from the dealer, especially nowadays um, when, you know, I can order it online. I don't have to go out with COVID. So um, yeah, I think uh, aftermarket parts are a good way to go. They're a good way to save money. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good point with independent shops and aftermarket parts you know, just the overall labor rates tend to be a little bit cheaper. The overall repair costs tend to be a little bit cheaper. And what's nice about online parts versus, you know, 20 years ago when you either went to the dealer or you went to the corner parts store and they didn't have it and they try to get it out of the warehouse. When you're buying them online, I mean, you can get them as soon as the same day in some cases, depending yeah. where you live. Um, yeah. So sometimes quicker than the local parts store can deliver it. And if it is a part that you know that is failing, you bring it to your local repair shop and they go, well, yeah, I don't know if the local parts store is going to have it, but you can say, well, let's try to find it online and I'll just schedule, you know, to come in, you know, a week from Wednesday. And by then hopefully you have the part. And if, you know, if you have it early, give me a call. If you have it, if it isn't in, let me know. So it, it makes it pretty easy, I think. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way, um, you know, um, buying parts is going in general. I mean, yeah, they've, we've all kind of gotten used to the Amazon Prime thing where, you know, you can order it from your home and it shows up, uh, you know, right away. So, um, yeah, I think uh, parts in general um, are going that route. I think that probably we'll see, I would guess we're probably going to see a decline in the brick and mortar stores, you know, in the, Near future, it also seems that uh, you know when I go to the parts stores that are you know local, they do seem to uh, the prices seem to be often uh, higher than online too. It seems that uh, like that. So um, yeah, I think that um, you know that's kind of the way society in general is going when as consumers purchase things online and have them delivered. So yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. So I think. I think we can both sort of agree that at some point the future looks like it's going to be electric. Um, the idea of something like the new Mustang Mach-E, which is electric, probably bothers traditionalists a little bit that, you know, people think of a Mustang as, you know, it should be a, a five liter with twin exhaust and make some noise. And, yeah. you know, the Mach-E doesn't do that. Um, although it's probably faster than the majority of most Mustangs that were ever put out as far as stock vehicles. I happen to have a problem with a four-door Mustang. That just seems weird to me, but um, that could be a generational issue, I think. But, um, but it is, it's, uh, I, I drove it for three or four days and it was a really, it was a really good car. It handled well, it rode well. The performance was really good in it. And the usability was good. It was a hatchback and it had front storage where I could go to the grocery store and drop my bags in the front. And it was kind of a nice little storage compartment and stuff didn't roll around. So it was a, it was a pretty interesting functional vehicle that had the one I drove was in all wheel drive. Um, and it had about a 230 mile range, I think. So, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty usable vehicle. And I could see how that could replace a lot of people's primary cars. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm jealous that you've got to you've got a chance to drive one of those. I, I saw one at the dealership, but 
<laughs> and just saw, saw my first one the other day. But yeah, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's a that's a vehicle that could be your your sole um, form of transportation, and uh, really without compromise. I mean, you know, there's they've got all the amenities that uh, you know a regular a traditional vehicle would have, and um, you know, you don't have to uh, compromise. There's, you know, there's the heat and the AC works great. It's got climate, uh, climate control. Yep. You probably heated seats and steering wheels. I don't know, but uh, you can, it's got all that. So, um, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. They've uh, EVs have gotten to the point that they're not a compromise anymore. They're, they're not a compromise. And for a repair shop to succeed in the future, they have to think they're not a compromise anymore either. And it's going to be, they have to look to the future a little bit and say, well, if we want to succeed, if we want to stay in this business, we need to be able to fix electric cars. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. Um, I think there's a kind of a long road ahead for that, but um, it did take a while, you know, from the transition, like we've talked about in the past, you know, transition to fuel injection and, uh, you know, OBD1, what, that was... Like I was actually, when that OBD1, I was a uh, kind of, uh, oh, I was a pretty much a baby, but <laughs> I've heard like, you know, of how everyone was, uh, you know, really uh, frustrated when OBD1 came out and like those, um, you know, first computer controlled vehicles. So, you know, and it's now we're to the point where that's second nature. So there's, I think, quite um, a long road ahead until um, all shops are working on EVs, but uh yeah, eventually um, things will have to change. Yeah, yeah, they will. And before I let you go, a little bit off the subject, though, is automotive education. And, you know, um, I am, you know, when I, I'm involved with probably four or five vocational high schools, and I go in and it's still a little bit of prior to them getting into the school, it's like, Oh, why do you want to do that? And I don't care if it's carpentry or electrical or plumbing or auto repair, you know, and a lot of kids today get sort of pushed into college. Um, what's your feeling about that? And how do you feel about automotive vocational education or any vocational education, not automotive, but any vocational education? Um, are there, you know, you, you know, you did what you did and then you went on to get a degree in, in, um, advanced automotive engineering and maybe not everyone's going to do that, but not everybody's made for college either. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I think, like I was saying, I think part of it is, and I don't know how the autom automotive industry and it could go around about doing this, but uh, um, somehow to kind of like fight that stigma that goes along with being a technician, because um, especially nowadays, you know, I always joke like these technicians need to be, you know, half, uh, you know, um, electrical engineer. So they're yeah. not giving um, technicians enough credit and uh, somehow it would be great to um, combat that stigma. Um, but I agree. Um, not everyone needs to go to college. I mean, I know have, you know, I know people that they have master's degree and degrees they've done nothing with. So um, for me, I think it's basically about, you know, following your passion. So if that is your passion, um, 
that's you're going to be successful at it yeah so if you love it, you're going to explore it. That's kind of what happened with me. Um, you know, I started out as a technician and, um, you know, I just, um, I always loved cars and, you know, it's just kind of snowballed and, and grown from there. But uh, yeah, I think, um, and actually the first time I was in college, I um, I was signed up for a degree that I my parents kind of chose for me. And <laughs> I actually dropped out to the first time to become a technician. So um yeah, I'd say um, follow what you love, and it doesn't necessarily have to come with a four-year degree. Yeah, no, I I think you're right, and you know, you talk about pay. Although I, I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago, and I was just kind of looking at job advertisements, and I always kind of look, and and a lot of the car dealers down there are advertising, you know, technician positions for eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and I was I was actually for Florida, I was pretty impressed. I I didn't think it would be anywhere near that high when, you know, the minimum wage is, I think, only eight or nine dollars an hour. So the idea that they've kind of stepped up their pay game and not all of them were flat rate either, which I was also kind of impressed with. So maybe there is a slow yeah. shift. That's what I was going to say. A lot of times they'll advertise, oh, you can make up to this, but then yeah. it's on the flat rate system. So it's like, um, yeah, that there's potential for that. But, you know, what's the reality? Right. But if they're playing hourly and um, where I'm at in Salt Lake, I don't see hourly for the most part. It's a uh, flat rate. Um, but um, yeah, if they were um, paying hourly and it's that uh, kind of pay, that would definitely be a shift in, in the yeah. right direction. Yeah. No, I think that's what we need to see. And and when I go into, um, again, when I go into Votech Vo schools and I talk to some of these kids and I see how talented and there's always like everything, there's always the top, you know, three or four and the middle that seem to just do an okay job. And then the couple on the bottom that maybe shouldn't be there. But um, I had an older Volkswagen that um, I brought to a Votech school because it was wintertime. I don't have a garage and uh, the rear window was broken. I bought it that way. And it's a pretty complicated mechanism. You have to take half the car apart to get to the power rear window piece and it's a convertible and um and i brought it there and um i said hey can you guys work on this and they're like we wouldn't normally but you know we will for you because you're on our advisory board and um i came back a couple weeks later and when it was done and i said oh by the way who, who worked on the car i want to say thanks and i brought donuts you know and uh the uh, they said oh it's uh, these two kids over here and it was um this one 16 year old girl. And I said, how did you like working on the car? And she said, you know, we don't get to do this kind of work very often. This was sort of interesting. She said the idea of, you know, I had to take the seat out and the door panels off and the glass out of it. And I said, you know, well, I, well, I did that. I should have had you do the other side. Cause you know, that's probably going to break at some point too. And, um, yeah. but just the idea that she was enthused about doing it um, just made me feel really good. And, the idea that there are these, you know, there are these, you know, 16, 17 year old that are entering the workforce in the next couple of years that are excited about their job. And it just, it, it was, um, you know, somewhat refreshing when you hear that, you know, a lot of kids today just want to spend all their time playing video games, but there are, there are people that, you know, there are some of these kids that really want to look at, here's a problem. How do I solve it? And the satisfaction comes with when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I taught as an adjunct at the local tech college for a while as well. And so I had this one student and he was, uh, 
really into like, uh, you know, high performance diesel trucks and like he knew stuff about like tuning these trucks that like I wouldn't, <laughs> I would yeah. have to ask him for advice. So it's like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, when you see that kind of passion, I really enjoyed doing that because, um, yeah, it's really cool to see passion like that, the uh, next generation. Of yeah, it, re it really is. If people want to learn more about you, and I think they know how to get to carparts.com because it's that easy, but if they want to learn more about you and see what you're up to and read your articles and so forth, um, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, um, I have... Um, my author bio on there you can get to all my articles and I don't I'd have to I guess you can google my name but um I don't know what the exact address of that is um but yeah if you go into if you type in uh car part if you google carparts.com uh, and Mia that'll come up with my um with everything there is to know about you yeah <laughs> all right all right. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and joining us on AAA Car Conversations with. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you. All right. Thank you. Take care.